For all of the Degrassi fans who, whatever it takes, you made it through the original TNG era, you made it through things like Season 8 and the quiet cancellation during Season 9, you made it through the Season 10 era, you even made it through Degrassi getting canceled again and then being immediately renewed by Netflix, only for it to get canceled about two years later. This episode is for you. Whatever it takes, I know we can make it through. This is Degrassi Corner. Hello, Degrassi friends, and welcome to another edition of the Degrassi Corner podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at the Degrassi Next Class era and how the Degrassi franchise literally went from surviving multiple cancellations and being on TV for basically a decade and a half to suddenly jumping to Netflix and fizzling out nearly instantly. The inspiration for this episode comes from a tweet by a man named Jared Weiselman. He's a social media manager for Netflix, and he posed this question to the internet. When a Netflix show gets canceled, the phrase, you didn't promote the show, is something we hear a lot. But what does that mean to you? Commercials? Billboards? Too few social posts? You're not shown the title when you log on to Netflix? Something else? Combo of all? There were thousands upon thousands of responses that provided a lot of insight into how fans of certain TV shows on Netflix feel in regards to how Netflix has handled those shows. And there's really two big recurring points in all of those responses. Number one, Netflix is not good at promoting its shows through advertising and social media, unless it's one of their bigger shows. And number two, the Netflix algorithm isn't good at promoting shows within the Netflix app. In other words, shows aren't being recommended as a way to bring the most basic awareness that these shows actually exist. As Degrassi fans, we were pretty frustrated there for about a year and a half, mainly because the silence around Next Class was the part that was the most annoying. We heard nothing from Netflix, nothing from DHX Media, and the Degrassi cast and crew members, for the most part, were sitting in the dark along with the rest of us. There were often questions about why Linda and Steven don't say anything. Well, there's a good chance that even if they know what's up, they're not allowed to say anything. So how did we get to that point to begin with? Why did the Degrassi Next Class era fail? And when I say fail, it's not like I'm placing all the blame on, for instance, the Degrassi team, the writers, producers, etc. I know there are things that they could have done to improve the show overall because no show is perfect. And Degrassi isn't necessarily a show that you're coming to watch for like absolute perfect writing. There's times where they just lose their mind and they do a shitty job and it's like, uh, OK, that kind of sucked. But I still love Degrassi. Still going to stick with you. But it would also be very naive to believe that they're solely to blame for the show not working. Because to be fair, I feel like they were put in a pretty shitty position to begin with. There isn't really one thing that happened, but there's quite a combination of things that fall right in line with what everybody else has felt when it comes to their Netflix show getting abruptly canceled. Going back to that uh, tweet from Jared Weiselman and the two main points that people were making in regards to uh, their responses. Uh, number one, about their show not getting much promotional support from Netflix. And then number two, the Netflix algorithm not working in their favor. First of all, the promotion around Degrassi Next Class sucked. If you were there, you know this for a fact. Outside of a couple things here and there before the first season, and maybe a little bit after the first season, there was no support from Netflix in terms of trying to promote the show or to bring awareness in order to gain a new audience. 
Looking back, it's kind of silly to expect Netflix to do anything in that regard because Degrassi is a super small fish in a very incredibly huge pond that is Netflix land, which is the exact opposite of what we, Degrassi fans, have been used to since 2001. We all know that the Teen Nick era was not perfect, but that network actually reached a point where Degrassi was essentially the only new show on the network. So, of course, they could pour all of their resources into creating things like the Shark in the Water promo or investing more money so that Degrassi can produce 44 episodes a season. And that also meant that we're going to get more social support, blog posts, videos, all sorts of stuff on teennick.com and all kinds of social media posts as well. Now, what's mind boggling to me, though, and something that hasn't really been talked about all that much with Next Class was the lack of promotion on the part of DHX Media and their Canadian network, Family Channel. DHX went through all that stuff to put Degrassi on their network. They even built a nightly teen-oriented block called F2N, built the social accounts for F2N, and then one day, all of that stuff was gone. F2N social presence, branding, all of it gone. I don't understand the purpose of going through all of that with Degrassi Next Class, essentially going out of their way to accommodate the show to broadcast it in Canada to put virtually no effort in trying to actually promote it. A shining light, though. As a Degrassi fan, I'm forever grateful for Degrassi's in-house social media team during the Next Class era. That was Krista, Adamo, Melissa, JD. If I'm missing anybody else, please forgive me. It reached a point where they were literally creating their own Degrassi promos in-house. If you're curious, all the promos are still sitting on the Degrassi official YouTube channel. You can just go in, uh, click on the video section, scroll down to like three or four years ago, and all the promos are right there. It was just so sad because I believe on Netflix, there's only the promo for season one and maybe season two, but they just gave up after that. So then you have to go to Degrassi's uh, YouTube channel to see the promos that they put together in-house for seasons three and four. But yeah, if it weren't for those four, yeah, Degrassi would have had nothing promotionally. And this isn't me tooting my own horn, but it's embarrassing that I'm just a random dude on the internet. And I can promote the show better than the broadcasters whose job it is to promote the show. And stuff like that is why TV fans are so frustrated when Netflix cancels their show after a couple of seasons. It's the whole thing of not bothering to tell people that a show exists, canceling the show, and then telling the fans of said show that the show underperformed. Which, by the way, they still don't necessarily tell people how a show is doing unless it does tremendously well. We still do not know anything numbers-wise in regards to to what Degrassi may or may not have been doing on Netflix, or even Family Channel for that matter. So as a broadcaster, if you don't show that you care about these shows you're investing your money into, why in the world would you expect viewers to care? It's kind of like they're just throwing things at a wall and hoping that something sticks. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to invest this money in uh, Degrassi or whatever. If it works out, that's cool. If not, whatever. On to point number two, though, with the frustration of Netflix promoting shows, is a lot of people have said that the algorithm doesn't do a good job of recommending new shows. The people who responded to Jared Weiselman's tweet were saying that their homepage constantly promotes the major shows um, like Stranger Things and 13 Reasons Why. Another issue is that the shows they've already watched that are in their queue are still more prominent on their homepage, while new recommendations might be buried down lower onto the page. There's also the issue that some shows aren't getting recommended up against shows that they should be recommended against, which seemed to be an issue for Degrassi. 
So the recording of this podcast is happening in August of 2019. It is but a mere coincidence that in August of 2018, Degrassi director Stefan Brogren said that the Netflix algorithm didn't recommend Degrassi to viewers who are watching certain teen-related shows. In other words, they're bigger teen shows that we, as a tiny little Canadian show, want exposure to those people. Here's a clip of what Stefan said. I think it, we got a little lost in, in, in the world of Netflix a little bit, even though our thing, I think the show is fantastic. I think this class is like just as good as any other Degrassi, you know, and, and uh, but I'm... It's, I think the algorithm didn't work for us because if you watch Degrassi, it would send you to Full House, and I don't think we're the same show, <laughs> you know? And I think I was like, why can't, why wouldn't you, if you pulled up Riverdale, then you would get Degrassi, you know? I think that's if they were closer in, in, in uh, um, tone. But um, needless to say, I think there will be another Degrassi. I think it's like Star Trek a little bit, where it can be sort of reborn over and over again, so. So what exactly are you going to do when Degrassi isn't getting recommended to audiences who are watching somewhat similar shows like Riverdale and 13 Reasons Why? While we can complain all day about Netflix and Family Channel sucking at promoting the show, a big issue, I think, in regards to Degrassi over the past few years is the show's identity. What kind of show are you and who is your audience? I'll get more into that in a bit, but I want to go ahead and get into some of your responses. I asked a very simple question on Twitter. Why do you think that the Degrassi Next Class era failed as quickly as it did? And I got a ton of responses. I'm very excited and very grateful for all of you who took the time to comment. I don't think I'll be able to get to all of them because you know, I was not expecting the amount of comments that I received. Also, a lot of the comments, they overlap in ideology. For the most part, we are all basically on the same page in terms of the handful of issues we feel contributed to Degrassi Next Class's demise. So taking a look at this first comment from Sports and Things 1, Degrassi Next Class, it lacked that one connecting hook of a moment, i.e. JT stabbing or any of Claire's big moments. Uh, this is not a sarcastic question. Does the bus crash not count as a connecting moment? They literally tried to kill off like a third of the cast, um, you know, and Claire's moments were big. But again, remember that what they were doing with Degrassi Next Class, this is the equivalent of one of the entire uh, season 10 era seasons, or it's the equivalent of like two original TNG seasons in terms of the number of episodes that they have to do stuff. They don't have time to do anything. And that's one of the major issues with Degrassi Next Class feeling like they just didn't have time to do all this stuff. And if they did do these major things, of course, the complaint is, well, they have rushed through it. They didn't develop it enough. It's basically a lose-lose situation when it comes to Next Class and looking at the storytelling in this uh, era. I'm going to tackle these two comments at once. Clay Jake 2222 says, I feel like Netflix could have promoted Degrassi way more than they did, and it should have been more mature and serious. Next Class was a little bit too kiddy. Then Jesse Pants goes on to say that Degrassi Next Class was not promoted enough, the marketing overall was trash, and the whole color scheme was too childish. If people saw any random five seconds, they probably assume it was a very juvenile tween show. I believe it was a couple of years ago that Erin from Degrassi Online, she made a video talking about what uh, is next for Degrassi. And she did mention that very, very important point that Degrassi has an identity issue. You don't really know who this show is targeted toward. Here's a clip of what Aaron said. thing with Next Class is that Next Class doesn't really have that, right? It's not really 
seen as edgy. It's not seen as cool. It's not badass compared to the other teen dramas of today. You know, because if you look at the other teen dramas of today, you know, again, you have 13 Reasons Why, Scum, Before That Skins, like, you have these kind of more mature teen dramas that are doing very well, right? And so it's those shows that are seen as edgy. It's those shows that are seen as cool, you know, because they have, like, graphic violent scenes and, like, an F-bomb every five seconds. My opinion on Next Class is that one of the things that I think that they could improve with it is better defining what type of show it is. Because right now, to me, it's not really clear. It has the aesthetic and the format of like a half hour Nickelodeon Disney Channel kids sitcom. But at the same time, it has the storylines and the content of like a more mature teen drama, like a scum or skins or whatever it may be, right? So it's very confusing because now they are kind of, um, they're occupying both worlds and I think they're losing, you know, part of each audience for various reasons. And so, like, for example, let's say that you are someone who has never watched Degrassi Next Class before. Um, and let's say, for example, you are, um, maybe you're just, you're watching it purely from a visual perspective, but let's say the volume's down or something. So you don't actually know what's happening in the show. You're just watching it and you're seeing what it looks like. I think that if you were to do that without knowing what the storylines were, you would probably think that Degrassi Next Class was like a children's show because the aesthetic of it, the look of it, the, the format of it is very much like a Disney channel. You know, they're still stuck in that kind of Nickelodeon because the aesthetic of the show is very much like bright colors, you know, pretty cast members, you know, pretty, but not too pretty, right? Like not like glamorous, but like still, you know, perfect Frankie curled hair and um, perfect makeup. And like, you know, it's very cute. It doesn't look very mature. And the format also is very, you know, structured. So like 30, and you know, not even 30 minutes, like 22 minute episodes, three storylines every episode. It's the exact same every time, right? Like, it's all very much like a sitcom type of thing, like a kid sitcom. The flip side of that, though, is that let's say that you were not watching Degrassi Next Class, but like maybe somebody was just telling you about the storylines. And so maybe you had a friend who was like, oh yeah, there's this show called Degrassi Next Class, and the type of storylines they do, they do storylines on like Black Lives Matter, they do storylines on abortion, you know, they do storylines on like sexual identity, blah, blah, blah you would probably be like, wow, that's like a very, you know, mature teen drama, right? Like it's a very, um, you know, more adult show. And so it's kind of like, you know, they, they're, they're occupying both of these worlds, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, for somebody who's looking for like a more mature teen drama, like somebody who's maybe like 17, 18, 19 years old, um, they might look at Degrassi Next Class and be like, oh, it looks like a little kid show. <laughs> and then, but then like a younger person might look at Degrassi Next Class and be like, oh, well, you know, I don't understand these storylines. It's kind of, you know, it might go over their head or maybe their parents don't even allow them them to watch it because of the storylines and that kind of thing. So I feel like they might, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like it's possible that they're losing audience for that reason. So basically there's this really weird disconnect with Degrassi Next Class in terms of what the show is doing versus what the show 
feels like and what people perceive the show as doing. Erica Janio, hopefully I pronounced, if, by the way, if I pronounce your Twitter handle or whatever incorrectly, my bad. In regards to why Degrassi Next Class failed as quickly as it did, Erica Janio says that it came into the streaming sphere right as streaming started splintering. I think so much of it was timing with Netflix switching gears in terms of content strategy. And not just timing with Netflix and its own strategy in terms of content. There was just bad timing all around. The timing of Teen Nick deciding to cancel Degrassi. Degrassi was basically sitting around. They had season 15 prepared, ready to go. They were just sitting there waiting for the green light from Teen Nick, like they always do every single year. But instead of that, hey, we're ready to go, Teen Nick comes back with, "Eh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, season 14 is going to be your last season. So then you've got this Degrassi that you've worked on. You got to rework it so that you can pitch it to Netflix or Hulu or whoever. And all of your plans in terms of doing a 15th season, wrapping up everything on Teen Nick in a neat little bow at the end of season 15, and then starting fresh, all that just goes completely out of the window. Minka Works says, promotion. They hardly advertised it, plus the grade nines were insufferable. And I believe you're talking about uh, VJ and Baz, mostly. I can't remember. It's been so long, you know. Degrassi Next Class has been one of those I haven't necessarily gone back and rewatched recently. But uh, yeah, their characters were, I can understand why people would hate them. They weren't really utilized all that much. And if we're being honest, I'm not necessarily mad about that. Again, I look at Degrassi Next Class through the lens of, I feel like the show did the best it could with what it had. And they had a situation where they had too many characters and just not enough time to do anything with them. Nika Ramaya says, lack of promotion, a wee bit too tryhard at the start with the hashtags and attempts to be trendy and poor timing with the shift to Netflix. In a perfect world, it could have thrived on Family Channel in the evening or something. So I don't know. Oh, actually, let me. I don't necessarily care about the hashtags. I thought they were kind of cool. It wasn't that big of a deal to me. Ultimately, the episode titles don't necessarily matter. Um, (laughs) It's weird because when it comes to other TV shows, I don't care what the episode title is, so I don't understand why with this show specifically, myself and maybe other people, maybe that's a thing that if it's your favorite show, you care about everything in regards to the show, Uh, episode titles, like obsessing over promos and stuff, but um, you know, it's not that big of a deal for me that they switched over to hashtags. It makes it a little bit more memorable because what they were doing with the song titles, it just became, especially when they jumped into the seasons where they had 40 episodes a season, everything just blurred together and it doesn't really matter what the titles are because I couldn't tell you uh, a majority of the episodes. I literally, if I saw the episode title, I couldn't tell you what actually happened in those uh, episodes just because there's so many episodes, so many different episode titles to keep up with. I don't know what was going on with Family Channel, but I just feel very bad. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about Degrassi Next Class in Canada is feeling bad for the Canadian fans who didn't necessarily have Family Channel. I don't know what they did ratings-wise. Um, they did this weird thing where they would release the entire season in the Family Channel. Uh, Family Channel had its own app. They would release it that way. Then they would also broadcast it. Then maybe like a couple of months later, they would randomly add it to Netflix. I don't know if they've actually put season four on Netflix Canada. I don't, I don't know. Um, if they have, let me know. But yeah, it was weird. I felt disrespected for the Canadian fans. I felt like they were getting kind of the shaft when it came to Degrassi Next Class. Enrique VBJR says, lack of promotion from Netflix, the lack of continuity from the previous season from Teen Nick, 
uh, the, the drop storylines, the fallout with Tristan's affair with Yates, Degrassi News, etc. So this is one of the fallouts of the sudden cancellation of Degrassi by Teen Nick. They were in a position where they just could not blatantly build storylines that would force viewers to have to go back and find old episodes of Degrassi uh, from the Teen Nick era to watch them in order to understand what was happening in Next Class. That's why uh, Degrassi Next Class is able to loosely deal with things like, for instance, Miles and his dad. You didn't need to understand the very abusive relationship they had in seasons 13 and 14. And they did that with other character stories as well. They were loose enough to where fans who had been following Degrassi since the Teen Nick era would understand and they would still feel like there's a certain level of continuity. But new viewers could jump in and still understand what's going on. Uh, With Tristan and Yates, I don't know if they were ever going to deal with that to begin with because so much time had passed. Uh, That happened in season 13. Uh, They didn't do anything with it in season 14. I don't know if they would have ever gone back to that. But the biggest storyline loser in terms of the switch over to Netflix was Degrassi News. That storyline, now that I think about it, not really sure why they did that to begin with. And the fact that they weren't able to go back and follow up with it. I mean, it just basically rendered the entire storyline pointless. Royal Claroline says Netflix didn't try to promote Next Class or uphold the brand. Very true. The seasons were too short to be binged. It made it forgettable. The new set with the bright colors made the show appear childish and unrealistic, which didn't match the plot and limited more teens from wanting to watch. I'm not a teenager. I'm an adult. So it is really important for me to hear things from people who are younger and are actually closer to the teen demo uh, to hear things like, oh, hey, this is not a thing that teenagers would do. Or this is not a thing that teenagers would be interested in. Because I look at Degrassi from a completely different standpoint as a mid-30s-something adult male compared to someone who is, you know, 15 or 16 or even, you know, 18 to 20. This person chose to remain anonymous, but I know who you are, uh, made a couple of points that were interesting. But the one I want to focus on uh, that they talk about, the show splitting the seasons into halves takes away from the larger narratives of the season. It would have been stronger as a whole rather than its parts. And that is a really big issue with the structure of Degrassi Next Class. The fact that the powers that be, assuming Netflix or whoever, decided that Degrassi should be split into 10 episode seasons. Degrassi had been doing many seasons since season 10 where they would basically be given X number of episodes and they would split the episodes in half or something and they would build one sort of mini season within that overall number and then build a second one. Um, Like, for instance, Degrassi, The Boiling Point was its own mini season. Then the rest of the episodes from season 10 are sort of its own season. But all of those together count as one season. But they basically did that same thing with Next Class, giving giving them 20 episodes a year, but then splitting it and like, hey, you've got to build an entire season in 10 episodes. And then you got to turn around and you got to do it again. Degrassi, Next Class absolutely would have been better if they'd been given the opportunity to do two 20-episode seasons as opposed to four 10-episode seasons because they would have had far more time to flesh out everything that they needed to do. Why did the Degrassi Next Class era fail? I'm still sitting here reading your comments. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed. Allison Has an Elf says that the lack of promotion by Netflix as well as the long hiatus between very short seasons. I would forget the plot but wasn't compelled to do a rewatch before a season premiere. 
As Degrassi fans, we were used to very short hiatuses. Degrassi's always had shorter hiatuses in terms of a couple of months to where it's short enough to where you would have enough time to get a break from Degrassi, mentally recharge, and then miss the show, but not obsessively miss the show and get bored and want to go do a gazillion other things. The downside to a 20 episode season of Degrassi Next Class, even though it would be more efficient and would probably create a better product, is the fact that we would probably have to wait a year between seasons, which would be absolutely brutal for this show. Degrassi is a cyclical show. Every day matters because your fan base, your target demo, they're getting older and older year by year. Typically, fans only stay for several years and then they move on because that's life. And that also puts a lot of pressure on the digital team to have to find ways to engage the fans over the course of a year. Because there's only a limited amount of time and resources that you'll have in terms of building content for in regards to whatever the current season of Degrassi is. Um, So they would probably have to rely on, which isn't this isn't a bad idea, but rely on doing a lot of throwback stuff in those dead months in order to you know keep fans interested. And honestly, I'm. I'm kind of disappointed that they never really did that. I understand that Degrassi's strategy was always stay focused on the current Degrassi, the current season, the current characters. But Degrassi fans on the internet, especially on Twitter or whatever, they don't think that way. There is no harm in ever posting a picture of Sean and Emma, you know, in their heyday. That will get people hyped. And there is an irony there that the most viral moments in terms of Degrassi and getting some sort of public recognition from like 2015 on, have all been in relation to Degrassi, The Next Generation. And I'm glad that they were smart enough to incorporate TNG into Next Class. But uh, the next iteration of Degrassi, I also want you to capitalize on the Degrassi TNG era fans that are out there as well. Because for a lot of us, doesn't matter what era it is, Degrassi is Degrassi. Sawyer Saul says that there wasn't enough respect for Degrassi's legacy. It wasn't promoted like a continuation of a series that has been around for roughly four decades. It was brought on as its own new thing and wasn't given enough attention with promotion and marketing. And the fan base was left in the dark from the get go. I think this led to many long term fans not being informed of the continuation, as well as not getting the individualized attention we had grown to become used to from the series. I'm going to skip forward just a bit to one of his really important points. I think the show really only sat with those of us who never stopped watching, were up to speed, and who were regulars of the online fandom. And that is a problem. That is a legit problem. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that you are that you are in the same boat as I am. We are hardcore fans of the show. Unfortunately, we are also the vocal minority. We make up a very small portion of the Degrassi audience. And we may love this show, regardless of how bad an episode or even an entire season or era is. There also feels like with Next Class, there was such a disconnect there in terms of being able to get new people on board. For new viewers of Degrassi, you have to ask the question, why would they watch this? I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but you have to ask yourself, why would a new viewer want to watch Degrassi Next Class? And then there's the question of older fans fans who you may see online talking about the Drake era of Degrassi, why would they want to come back to watch this show? And then for us hardcore, we're going to be Degrassi fans for life. Please bury us, you know, in the ravine somewhere type fans. We're also in a weird pickle where we are trying to get used to a completely different era of the show in regards to how 
the show was handled. We were very isolated in a bubble in the Teen Nick era in terms of how they treated Degrassi. They basically spoiled Degrassi because they could. Out here in the real world, nobody gives a shit about Degrassi except for us. And that uh, that was kind of a hard lesson for us to learn. I really like this point from Lenny Burnham. Going for a million seasons makes sense for a cable soap opera, but not a streaming drama. I think the next class model made for a better experience overall, but it wasn't infinitely sustainable in the same way. Degrassi is similar to Doctor Who and basically any daytime soap opera that in theory Degrassi could just go on for forever. But it's just very clear from the structure of, you know, what they wanted with Degrassi, 10 episode seasons and all that. Degrassi as we know it and have experienced it for however many seasons now on Teen Nick, that Degrassi is not going to be able to survive outside of like a Teen Nick environment. Like I wasn't expecting 30 seasons of Degrassi on Netflix. I don't really know what I was expecting. Most of the frustration just comes from the lack of saying, hey, this show is over that, and that's that. G Ditto Guy says all four seasons of Next Class felt like one big season, but because it was split up and with a main cast around 20, there couldn't be a cohesive storyline or characterization, e.g. how flat of a character Esme is with no real backstory. I disagree with Esme having no backstory. They spent almost all 40 episodes showing us that she had some issues going on. But I do agree with the idea of it's hard to get some sort of traction in terms of story and characterization. And the cast is too big. Uh, going back to the point of Degrassi as we know it could not work all that well and isn't necessarily going to work in the streaming format that Netflix wanted. 20 characters is too much. Like if Degrassi comes back and they're going to be on Netflix or whatever streaming platform wants them, you know, this next Degrassi era, they're going to have to have less characters. I know that may annoy fans, but that's going to be something that you just have to accept. Culinary Tech Kid says, I think as a teen in this era, teens are interested in other things. And what I mean is Stranger Things or some other teen show on Netflix. And not a lot of the marketed audience seemed to give it a crack at it. And going to Netflix didn't really help as a brand. It felt forced. If you're a Degrassi fan who's a teenager, still in high school, or still you know in that teen, early adulthood range, it's really important to hear what you have to say in regards to Degrassi. Degrassi used to be one of those shows that was kind of the alternative to those teen dramas where everybody was kind of like preppy, rich kids or whatever, uh, back in the early 2000s. But now... You know, with Degrassi Next Class, you have shows like Stranger Things. You have 13 Reasons Why. Um, you have shows like Riverdale. These are the hip and edgy shows that teens are interested in now. And Degrassi is now sitting back as that show that is still, for some bizarre reason, being treated as if it's a kid's show. Lord Raven says, nothing killed the show harder than switching to a 10-episode format. I think we are all in agreement that the 10 episodes per season is probably even bigger than Netflix not promoting the show. Trying to force Degrassi into 10 episodes a season with the same thing that it's been doing for 15 years now was not a very good idea. Party Ship Down says, I know we've all been against the idea of a TNG adult spinoff, but arguably... I think it would have done better on Netflix the next class. The nostalgia wave would have done numbers for at least the first couple of seasons. Maybe waiting a season than spinning next class off from a TNG adult series would have helped the show enormously. I, I'm still not necessarily on board with a... I'm trying to phrase it. Like, I don't... I'm not necessarily on board with a TNG 
adult spinoff that just sort of exists as its own thing that is meant to go on for X amount of years. But I do like this idea of utilizing because we are we are in a time in history where when people talk about the OG Degrassi, they're talking about Degrassi, the next generation and not Degrassi Junior High or Degrassi High. They're talking about Degrassi TNG. It would have been kind of cool, I think, to build an adult version of Degrassi with the intent of parlaying it into another completely fresh Degrassi uh, reboot where we have new teenage characters. I do appreciate that Degrassi Next Class was very open to incorporating old TNG characters into Next Class. It was great. The 500th episode is great. Um, Having Peter as Maya's sort of mentor was great. Katie Matlin coming back was fantastic. Any sort of reboot needs to incorporate Degrassi TNG people. You should not be doing this thing where, oh, well, we want to only focus on the teens. That's that's great. And you may be able to do that after a couple of seasons like they did with Degrassi The Next Generation. Uh, they had the original Degrassi Junior High cast members as adults, uh, incorporated them a lot into the early years and then slowly but surely phased them out. But if you think that you're going to get people's attention with a new, quote, crop of teens, it's going to be a lot harder. And we saw that it was harder with Degrassi Next Class. Even though the fact that it was basically the exact same characters that were on Teen Nick, just moving over to Netflix, the average TV watcher who maybe watched Degrassi a decade ago doesn't know that and doesn't care. Uh, Glenn T says that Degrassi Next Class didn't fail. It was apparently killed off despite the fact that season three showed it was still on par with the best in the whole franchise, which is saying a lot, in my opinion. But if it did die of natural causes, I don't blame Next Class. Yeah, season three was great. We can debate all day. Um, about you know seasons one and two and maybe even four, but season three was fantastic. It was a dark slash edgy version of Degrassi that we have not seen in a very long time. And I remember it was very sad that Degrassi basically had to give away the fact that Lola was having an abortion in that season because that was probably the only way that they would be able to get any hype or publicity for this new season. Danny the Zombie says that I wholeheartedly believe that if it was picked up by Hulu and not Netflix, it would have done so much better. Maybe, possibly, but unfortunately, we will probably never know. Easy Esme says that I think another factor was they relied so heavily on Claire and Eli, let's be real, that a lot of characters weren't given the time of day to fully develop, and it was hard, as a viewer, to care about the remaining characters once those those two left. I kind of disagree with that because the main characters for Degrassi Next Class, your A-level characters, Miles... Zoe, Maya, Zig, these were the characters who were getting a shit ton of screen time in seasons 13 and 14 as it was. Um, But I do believe that if season five of Next Class would have happened, I do believe that we would have had an issue with what you're saying here. Outside of like Lola and like Rasha and maybe Yael, um, you know, Frankie and and Hunter, they're there, but you're kind of sort of tired of them because they've received a, a lot of attention but those other characters like Shay and Baz and VJ, those are characters who who just sort of existed in the show. And now all of the seniors have left and you're expecting people to suddenly care about these characters that haven't really done all that much. It, but it all comes down to who your faves were when you're watching Degrassi to begin with. Like if your faves are the Eli Claire generation, there's a good chance you're not necessarily caring about uh, the Mayas and the Mileses and the Zoes of the world. Speaking of Fee says, no one asked for my opinion. Oh, yes, we did. And I'm glad that you gave yours. Thank you so much. But here I am. 
I think a part of the reason why the show seems childish is because the show is presented as such. The writing writes in parents. We see kids asking permission to go out, having to get rides from the parents, etc. Degrassi constantly reminds us that they're students. The message of Degrassi is also hopeful, which contributes to that as well. Shows like Euphoria and Skins show the students acting as adults and moving through the world as such. Uh, then I'm going to skip forward to more of their comments. Degrassi tends to slap a band-aid on issues and expects everyone to hold hands and sing when it's not really realistic. Degrassi has had that issue kind of for a while. Like, I'm talking about all the way back to the TNG day sometimes. I think season four might have been off-putting. When you think about how the show ended and you think about the very insane fact that every character on Degrassi Next Class, I believe there's like 20 of them. At some point, all of them made an appearance at the Hollingsworth house. Hollingsworth, they're a rich white family, and their house is used, used as a centerpiece of, of this show. That doesn't seem very realistic. And I agree that Degrassi Next Class looks childish, but I disagree with things like the fact that they write in parents. As a matter of fact, they use parents less in next class than they have at any point in the Degrassi franchise. People hold Degrassi TNG on a pedestal. And typically when people are talking about how amazing Degrassi TNG is, they're talking about the first like four to five seasons. Well, during the first four to five seasons, that's when we saw all of these parents who were very heavily involved in the franchise. But I do agree with the idea of, you know, the fact that they were seen as students because they are. Degrassi, the school, is the focal point of the show. But I do understand the point of we're not necessarily seeing them do teenage things, really. That's why the episode Huge If True, and I believe it was season three, the one where it's the episode where they're having a sleepover at the Hollingsworth house. That's why I love that episode so much, because it's one of those episodes where, OK, everything's happening at Degrassi. That's cool. But then they sort of take you out of that for just a moment to show you that they're teenagers who are just being teenagers. And Degrassi Next Class probably needed to have done that, just shown teenagers existing. But again, we go back to you only have 10 episodes a season. You have to jump from point A to point Z. So you don't have time to show them doing all this fluffy stuff, unfortunately. So it all ultimately comes full circle. The Quipster is also going to pile on on that point. The newer students needed the depth they gave to Esme, Goldie, and Yael. Instead, all their problems got wrapped up in a cute little bow on top and presented to us as a good storyline. The lack of depth created a lack of enjoyment and a lack of interest in the characters. And when you don't have time to give the characters any depth, you have to say, hey, character, you need to do do ABC. Okay, when you're done with that, we need to wrap that up quick, quickly because we need to jump to this other point that we need to get done so that we can finish that, and then finish the season, and then do another season where we do everything way too quickly. This is a side note here. Uh, Eric Cunningham says, you ever notice how many people love season seven and it has that green, dingy tint of a color palette for most of the season? Is that what everyone was missing? And this is in regards to everybody, all of us, believing that the aesthetic of Degrassi Next Class is just too childish. Um, Sure, yeah. So I've been watching the show Euphoria. I don't think you can necessarily directly compare it to Degrassi just because it is a very extremely graphic and mature show. It's not geared at teenagers, so to speak. It's on HBO, so they can basically do whatever the hell they want. They can curse. They can show dicks. Um, they can show sex. They can show drug use and all this stuff. But one thing that I absolutely love about Euphoria is the aesthetic. It is an absolutely beautiful show to look at. And it's got the kind of look 
and feel that can mask certain storyline issues because you're just sitting there in awe of how pretty and smooth the camera moves in and around this world that these characters are in. And when I think about season seven, I think about it being a dark season because of that dark feel of the actual video footage. It felt like a dingy, dark, gritty show. And this is going to be the final comment here. This is from Chris McPherson. He is actually somebody who worked at Teen Nick during the Degrassi days. He says, I don't think it was a failure in Netflix's eyes. Three to four seasons is now the standard according to their business model. I'm sad the show is gone, but I often think about where it could have gone as they had so little cast left. They could have needed a major overhaul. Also, I was a bit disappointed in the Netflix promos. Promos can make a show, and Degrassi's were historically iconic. It's crazy that I ended at Nick for my first job, because when I got there in 2013, I worked very closely with the promo team, and a handful of people had been there since the end days. I'd literally tell coworkers in meetings how much they made my childhood slash teen life, especially what I consider the magnum opus, it goes there campaign. Lastly, while Degrassi does go there, when you hold it up against other teen shows like 13 Reasons Why, it can feel kind of G-rated. It's annoying to see all of these shows blow up now, like Euphoria, because Degrassi laid the blueprint. But eh, hopefully we can get a reunion movie soon. Ah yes, the good old, it goes their days. It is crazy to me, the mental connection that still exists in 2019 that people associate Degrassi with the slogan, it goes there. And that was somewhere around 15 years ago. And now, all the other teen dramas, except for Degrassi, are seen as the shows that go there. Euphoria, it goes there. 13 Reasons Why, it goes there. Riverdale, it's sleek and sexy, and it goes there. And now Degrassi is seen as a show that would fit in quite perfectly as a doubleheader on a Friday night at 8 with uh, Andy Mack or something on Disney Channel. And not to say that being a drama that is geared toward tweens or the, the Disney Channel crowd is a bad thing, but we're just not sure what Degrassi is aiming for now. That's kind of a thing that I hope Degrassi is able to figure out when it returns at some point in the future. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I want to thank everybody who commented on Twitter. You can find me over there. Let's talk Degrassi anytime at Carrie Degrassi. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Degrassi Corner Podcast. Whatever it takes, I know we can make it through.